What up, world? Thanks for listening to the Sac City Podcast. While you're here, do us all a favor and hit that follow button. Then join us every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday for more top-tier NFL content. Welcome to the city. everybody welcome into another edition of the sack city podcast i'm your host the one and only Vinny milani joined as always by my best friend in the whole entire world aaron the mukesia mukes below us we have your boy the reigning the defending the undisputed not so heavyweight valedictorian of the show for one more day he is a j johnson it is a beautiful june 30th morning here in the city on good morning sack city episode 49 is about to kick off we are breaking down the nfc north and their fantasy outlooks today gentlemen how goes it aj i'll start with you it goes well uh you know just another back end of the week looking towards the weekend happier than i will be on monday Sadder than I will be But all in all, pretty good. You know, football is closer. It's about time for me to start getting ready for my fantasy league to open up, which means just another uh, mountain of work to start focusing on. But hey, it's fantasy football work. So I'll find my glory in it. I'll find my happiness, my happy place. 73 yeah. days and counting, boys. 73 yeah. days and Be here counting. before we know it. Yep, I'm excited for it. I am very, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked for another one. You know, we, we, we really, we laid the foundation of a great football season last year for us in fantasy and watching it for our show, everything. This year, we go to a whole nother level. It's, I'm excited for it. Aaron, uh, how, how are you over there in the, in, uh, what, what are we calling it now? Dateline the, the or Michael, uh, the Michelangelo pose, and David, like, <laughs> like he's just been all of this sitting like this for the first three minutes of the show. <laughs> well, I mean, you used all my good juice of my internet, by oh. now I'm disconnected. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I thought that was on purpose. I was like, this man just on camera flexing, trying to look cute for the people's. Because <laughs> for us, it looks like you're blinking in real time. Like, <laughs> no, I had I had very good connection. And then you talked so much that my connection went out. So when it was my turn to talk. I had nothing. But my connection went out. I don't normally get good connection. Good. I got to take advantage of it. Oh, man. <laughs> Nothing like live television, folks. Nothing like <laughs> live television. Uh, we've got a great show ahead of us, though. We're going to be diving in to the NFC North. And you know what? Let's let's get into let's let's get into some of our NFC North talk here. We'll start off with that and then we'll get into our morning headlines and then we'll move on from there. I'm I'm really dying to know about this. And I you, you guys can laugh at me all you want because we've now done two shows where I talk about tight ends way more than I probably should. 
But the NFC North seems like a division, at least for fantasy, where the tight ends, the names are a little bit more interesting because you have a lot more question marks surrounding them. You have a TJ Hawkinson where there's some, so there's question marks around him. Obviously he's on the higher end of the, uh, of the spectrum, but then you have guys like Cole Komet or Smith jr. All battling for spots in the, maybe the top 12. So AJ, I'll start off with you. What, how would you rank the top, the top four tight ends in this division of big Bob Tunyon, Irv Smith jr. TJ Hawkinson and uh, Cole Komet. Basically the opposite of how you just listed it. <laughs> uh, kind of here. So give me, <laughs> give me T, give me TJ Hawkinson first. Uh, I'm going to take Cole Komet second. I'm going to take Robert Tunyon third, and I'm going to take Irv Smith Jr. Fourth. And the way I kind of look at this is going with Hawkinson, uh, 101 targets in 2020. And last year he was on pace for 125 uh, before he missed the last five games of the season due to injury and whatnot. Uh, Cole Komet, kind of the same thought process, 60 catches, 612 yards. But going into this year, after Darnell Mooney, I mean, who are you really thinking about uh, in that offense? We really liked what Cole Komet was doing last season. He just got a little unlucky, couldn't really find the end zone, as many weren't in that offense uh, due to a head coach who will not be named. Uh, think about Robert Tunyon next. And it's kind of the same thought process there as well. The opportunity that I think is going to be there because he has the trust of, of uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers. And last year he only played eight games, only had five touch or on pace for five touchdowns when it was done. But after Christian Watson, after um, Alan Lazard, you think about some of those other guys that may fit in there, but Robert Tunyon, if he's healthy and ready to go, which they say he's ahead of schedule. I think he's going to have the trust of uh, Aaron Rodgers. And then Irv Smith, again, is another one coming off injury all season long, didn't play last year, uh, and he's just young. So we're hoping and waiting to see what he can do. We hear he's talented, uh, but we just haven't seen it yet. Um, so I do – starting today, that's what that list looks like. But it's very possible, you know, this can shuffle. Irv Smith has an opportunity. Uh, while we wait on Aaron to get back, I'll kind of finish this out. But my, my thought process on Irv, the other reason he's fourth, because that offense just hasn't really supported a tight end in multiple years. The last time a good tight end was in Minnesota was in 2018, was Kyle, Kyle Rudolph with 64 catches for 634 yards and four touchdowns, and that's it. Yeah. Um, so and this is going to be an explosive outside office unless uh, I, Kevin O'Connell decides to do something different. I feel like we've been waiting on Irv Smith Jr. to be that guy. Like, I don't know if uh, what Irv Smith went to Alabama, right? That that's I'm remembering this correctly. He was an Pretty Alabama sure. guy. It's it's kind of sure. funny. Like we, it, it's very similar to the OJ Howard thing. We've been just yeah. waiting yeah. and waiting for them to be relevant in the NFL. And maybe OJ Howard's a little bit more far away than we than we wanted him to be. But Irv Smith Jr. now is he gets a little bit more. The, the potential is there for Irv Smith Jr. And I've been hearing a lot of a lot of talk about him possibly being a breakout candidate for this season under the new offense of Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota. Aaron, you hopefully heard. Did you hear what AJ's rankings were? And are, are you on board with it? Or because it was Hawkinson, Komet, Big Bob and Irv Smith. Uh, I agree i'm not sure how much you guys are going to get from me. this connection is Poo-poo. really really bad right uh it's bad <laughs> okay 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 saw that in real time if that helps if you want to try to go in anymore <laughs> yeah i 
I'd like to get your thoughts, Aaron, if, if you can hold on, if you can push through it here, uh, your thoughts on Irv Smith Jr. Because obviously last on, on the, on the, on the rankings for both of you. Um, but the breakout potential is there. Is it not? I love Irv Smith. Uh, I like the situation he's in with no real competition in Minnesota. Uh, talking about a guy who started to come on even when Kyle Rudolph was there before he left. He just wasn't used a whole lot. Uh, 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 he could easily end up being the best out of the group of four. So I, he's one of my sleeper tight ends. I, I really like what he's capable of. Okay. Okay. That, why, so the best out of out of the, the four tight ends here. That's, I mean, that's the type of potential we're talking about with Irv Smith though. Like that's what, that is what we, the ceiling of Irv Smith as being the best, at least in the NFC North. And if you're the best in the NFC North, talk about last night or or yesterday morning that it's literally like, or this morning, I should say yesterday morning. (laughs) One of them days. One One of them them days. days They're all rolling together (laughs) at this point. Uh, We talked about it though, about how like the tight end position is, you don't have to be, phenomenal to be a top five top eight tight end in this in 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 fantasy football you don't it's such a there's that gap we talk about it's travis kelsey george kill darren wall and then everybody else and tj hawkinson has been hot and cold in that and you don't know if you can if he can be that guy consistently we're going to talk about him in a little bit we talk about the lions fantasy outlook but Irv Smith Jr., I think that just goes to show that how wide open the tight end position is and also the potential that Irv Smith Jr. possesses. Uh, Cole Komet? Anybody? Cole Komet? Anybody uh, want to is, – is on? I'm interested, man. I'm interested to see what happens because everyone always talks about how Darnell Mooney had a great season last year and he should do it again this year because there's no receivers to talk about. They keep saying there's no receivers and Byron Pringle may have a good game, but there's no receivers. And But no one ever says, all right, so then the passes are going to go to Cole Komet after Darnell Mooney. They go straight to the run game, which is understandable. David Montgomery should get a lot of work. But if you recall, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about this later, I expect the defenses to expect David Montgomery to get a lot of work. And Cole Komet is a big body and a, and a security blanket for a young quarterback. So I'm intrigued to see if he can get a little luckier this year, fall into the end zone a couple more times, and maybe get a couple more touches than he did last season. So I can't say, oh, this is his year, because we are going to a completely different offense, a completely different mindset uh, than they had last year in that atrocious naggy system. And uh, <laughs> so I can't just go right for it, but I'm intrigued to see what's possible for Cole Komet. I, I like the way now, like really talking about it, the way you said, there's a lot of question marks, but there's also just a lot of potential with the tight ends in the NFC North division. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Uh, Aaron, any last words if before we move on? No, we've spent too much time on tight ends. Great. Let's get it. Let's actually, we're going to go into the, uh, our NFC North talk. Cause there really isn't many, many morning headlines right now to, to discuss unless some, one of you guys wants to jump into what I, but I don't think and I didn't see anything when I was getting the show ready and, and all that good stuff. So we're going to get into our NFC North fantasy outlooks, but before we do that, AJ, please pay the bills. Good morning, Sac City. Welcome in. Another great episode back to back. And guess what? Tomorrow we're going to do it again. And if you want to know how to make sure you are sitting right in front of your viewership to make that happen, head right over to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at Sac City Pod. Make sure you hit those follows, those likes, and those comments. 
commence. Them cold commence once you get there. <laughs> At Sac City Pod, ladies and gentlemen, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. We appreciate the love, especially that heart you hit. Make sure you use that hashtag GMSC. Good morning, Sac City. Population. How many, Vinny? infinite one, one more one, one, one more, more oh, one more one more Vinny. it's cool we'll get there we're working on it we're working got on it. it one more population <laughs> uno mas population uno, uno mas, mas. Oh, great in movie. the city we're bilingual here in the city we're bilingual all right <laughs> let's get things rolling here aaron's got some good connection from what it looks like to start things off so i'm gonna go to him first on this one so that we can hopefully capitalize on his greatness uh packers kick things off in our fantasy outlook Aaron, obviously the, the biggest the biggest chatter with the Green Bay Packers is the loss of Devontae Adams. We covered the Raiders uh, on la- last show. Now we talk about his former team in the Packers. What does Aaron Rodgers' fantasy season look like without a Devontae Adams there? Looks like every other fantasy season, in my opinion. Um, look, he's going to have to obviously find a new number one target, uh, but Aaron Rodgers is going to produce. Um, I think the one thing you might see is this might more this might be more of the Aaron Rodgers we saw from two years ago, which I believe was two years ago, where we see a lot more work in the run game, uh, a lot of play action. He's not throwing the ball as much, but he's going to always be super efficient, right? It's Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't throw a lot of interceptions in the red zone. He likes to get his numbers, those one-yard touchdowns that he – should just turn around and hand off to Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon. He likes to get those touchdowns for his stats, and he turns around and he throws them instead. So I think the numbers will be there, uh, but you might see the amount of volume go down a little bit. Uh, he's probably pushing a back-end quarterback just because of the situation, everything's older, um, and he doesn't obviously have Devontae Adams. But in your drafting Aaron Rodgers, you're understanding, hey, I'm still getting a quarterback one. Uh, my turnovers are going to be really low, and I have a guy that I can count on Yeah, right now, Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback 10 off the board going in uh, with the the 77th uh, overall pick in draft. So I think that's a fair spot for him. And under the the Matt LaFleur system uh, in Green Bay, Rodgers with Devontae Adams for fantasy averages 23 points since, since, since since Matt LaFleur took over. And without him, Packers are 7-0 without Devontae Adams. And Aaron Rodgers averages 27 fantasy points per game without Devontae Adams. And this, this is not this is not saying to knock on Devontae Adams, but this is this is giving people a little bit more comfort, hopefully, to st- still go out and trust the two the back-to-back MVP. Go out and trust your Aaron Rodgers, especially at his ADP right now, which is still fair. It is still fine. AJ. Aaron mentioned this with whatever wide receiver Aaron Rodgers ends up enjoying and going to the most this season. We put to rest yesterday, the chiefs wide receivers and ranking them for Patrick Mahomes without Tyreek Hill. Let's do it with the Packers. Now without Devonte Adams rank the fantasy wide receivers in green Bay. You know, the other interesting part about that is we talked about how Mahomes wants to spread the ball around this season, possibly. I think that's what you're going to see a lot from Green Bay as well. Um, 
when when I went here to do these rankings, I was tempted at first to put Christian Watson up top. You know, the talent that he has, the explosive that we had. But really thinking about it and looking at what Alan Lazard did last year, not astronomical numbers, but efficient numbers. I put him at number one. Last year, 60 targets, 40 receptions, and eight touchdowns. It's a touchdown per five receptions. Like, I'll take that efficiency. Uh, so he has the trust of uh, Aaron Rodgers. And I think to start the season, Alan Lazard is going to come on very strong. So I went, got him at number one. I am going to put Christian Watson at number two. Um, in college, though it was a small school, he showed great numbers. I mean, he averaged 20.4 yards per catch at North Dakota State, and they were a run-heavy team. So when they did strike, they striked hot. But not only is he a deep threat, he's also really good at the slants. He's also really good at contested catches, which can gain the trust of a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, who wants to give the opportunity to the receiver to win the ball. Uh, after that, I went with um, – I went with the Randall Cobb, Amari Rogers type thing, just to kind of slide in there. And that Amari Rogers is just like, hey, it's your second year. Either show up or we know that someone else is going to be there. And yeah, I kind of did it for you too. <laughs> when it comes to Randall Cobb, I mean, that's that's Aaron Rodgers' guy. They're restructuring contracts to keep him there. Uh, but, you know, he's going to be 32, a year older, and is, you know, I, I'm not going to say a year slower. Who knows? Maybe he and Aaron Rodgers will do the fine wine season type thing. But, um, so that's kind of what those are the only ones I really find uh, relative uh, fantasy relevant. I want to say this about Sammy Watkins because people are probably asking what you really shouldn't be. Uh, <laughs> I do not think Sammy Watkins is going to be a guy that you want to use this season at all. Maybe put him, maybe watch him on the waivers and see what happens. But we're talking about a guy in the last three years has regressed in targets, regressed in yards, regressed in targets, despite being with three of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, yeah. So, I mean, last year, 27 receptions, 394 yards, one touchdown, good for wide receiver, 104. I, that's not yeah. something that I'm like, oh, he's with Aaron Rodgers now. I can trust Sammy Watkins again. Couldn't do it with Lamar. Couldn't do it with Pat Mahomes. I don't think Aaron Rodgers will be the difference, and that's not a knock against Aaron yeah. Rodgers. And, and, and his ADP right now, Sammy Watkins, is being he's not being drafted. He's he's not yeah. draftable uh, right now, uh, according to average ADP. Average ADP. What a redundant statement that was. Um, <laughs> average average draft. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but but really though, and you listed it out, and that's actually the exact order that the ADPs are kind of going. Really, it's it's Alan Lazard is going at the, as the wide receiver fifty, and then Christian Watson is going as a wide receiver fifty three. So it, it's it's really close. But Alan yeah. Lazard has that edge because of because of the fact that he's been there with Aaron mm -hmm. Rodgers. He was second in the, second in in the uh, on the Packers yes uh, last season in yards for for receiving behind obviously Devonte Adams. But I think this is one of those similar situations to what we talked about last night with the Chiefs. How it's going to be where it's going to be you take your shot on one of these wide receivers, whether it be Christian Watson or whether it be uh, now in Lazard. I think you take your shot with them and hope for the best. And similar to what you said, what Aaron said last night is I think you will figure out pretty early who is going to be the guy for the green Bay Packers um, moving forward. Now I will yeah. say this, this is definitely one of those training camps you are going to want to watch for like, and That's really cool. keep an eye on like, your fantasy season to people out there, maybe who may be new to fantasy or maybe not as experienced as others, your fantasy season starts in training camp. 
watching how things go, getting you ready for your drafts. Obviously, your drafts should not start until the end of preseason. Training camp is where you need to start doing your research. And in this situation, see who Aaron Rodgers is favoring more throughout camp and throughout preseason. And maybe that's not where you put all of your stock, but that is that will help you a lot uh, when trying to decide whether you're going to draft an Alan Lazard or a Christian Watson. Aaron, what do you think about the uh, wide receivers in Green Bay? I like the ranking. Um, I'm not sold on Alan Lazard being a lead guy. Uh, I I honestly think him and Christian Watson probably have similar numbers this year. But I think Christian Watson is going to emerge towards the end of the year when it really kind of kicks and matters most. Um, But I think it's safe to say Alan Lazard is is the guy to start the year. Um, I am not a believer in Randall Cobb. I don't think he has an impact whatsoever. Um, I would put Amari Rogers over him. I'd put Romeo Dubs over him. I'd put Sammy Watkins over him if he makes the roster. Uh, and to, the only opposite thing I would say is if Sammy Watkins does make this roster, he's going to play a factor until he gets He is going first, to be a guy two games. that he, when he's on the field, he will be probably the guy, but probably going to get hurt. So hard to trust. Um, He's the most talented wide receiver there with the most experience. Um, and, and we people forget how good Sammy Watkins actually is because he's never able to stay on the field. Uh, but I, I firmly believe if Sammy Watkins is healthy and playing. That's a guy that's going to make a difference. He's just never been healthy and unfortunate. And even if it's not like missing games type, not being healthy, it's like lingering issues type health. Um, so I, I think I think you'll see him make an impact if you're the first few games, get hurt, and then go into <laughs> oblivion if he makes the <laughs> waiver. Well, see, that's, that. that says to me that he's always going to have those lingering issues. Then I mean, three of the last four years he's played nine games, and even the year he played the thirteen in Kansas City, six hundred seventy-three yards, three touchdowns. I mean, he's only had one one thousand yard season in his entire career, and I know well, we talked about the injury and everything. Understand like that. those offenses, though. You got to understand the fact that playing in Kansas City he was buying Kelsey and Hill. He was never going to have breakout in Kansas. City. Played in Baltimore, where they didn't throw the ball. Home. So outside of really when he is time with the Rams, with the Rams. For that one year that he just did not play well. Um, it was really about Buffalo, and Buffalo he was hurt towards the end of that time. His first two years. He was right around a thousand yards. He played well with Tyrod Taylor. He go. He leaves Buffalo after only playing eight games. He goes to the Rams. He has like a fifty percent catch rate. It's like I forgot who his quarterback was at the time, but it wasn't somebody good. <laughs> and so, no, Jared Goff wasn't the quarterback then. Two thousand sixteen. Sorry, maybe seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it was. Right? I mean, that that explains. But I'm on the yeah. Google. It's okay. Yeah. So I mean, again, fifty percent. Catch rate as far he had 70 targets, only caught 39 balls. Tells me a lot there. And then you again, you go to the situations where they had established guys, they had guys they already wanted to get involved in the offense, and he kept getting banged up, right? So it it didn't help him. And again, I'm not trying to be the Sammy Watkins advocate here because literally eight, nine years and nothing (laughs) happened. I'm just saying the talent level was never a question. It's always been about hey, can you stay on the field? And I don't think it's gonna happen, but For three weeks of this year, if he's on that roster that first three weeks, watch. Demi Watkins will be the guy with 112 yards, two touchdowns. Oh, that's him. 
You know what you, I mean? You're right there. Yeah. That first three weeks, I'll tell you what, don't draft Sammy. He'll be there on your waiver. Grab him week one, <laughs> roll him out for three weeks, and then you're probably – trade him. Screw somebody over on the rest of your league. Because that, that's that's clutch time for him. <laughs> Is this the best situation Sammy Watkins has been in in his entire career throughout? No. I mean, Buffalo. no? That's what kills okay. me about it. Like, honestly, I, I would say Buffalo probably was his worst at this point now. And But since then, no. I mean, the Rams the first time that – well, From I mean, he was rocking with EJ Manuel when he tried. Best. Was the best? Because he was the number one guy. Those other places, even though you're playing with great play or great quarterbacks, Baltimore doesn't really produce. They didn't have Hollywood Brown. They don't produce high-level wide receiver fantasy. Kansas City already produced Tyreek Hill. We've seen their number two usually doesn't produce high-level fantasy assets. So when you're talking fantasy situation, when you're the guy, that's the best situation you've been in. And that was in Buffalo when he produced his highest fantasy value. That was before we were talking about good Buffalo, though. <laughs> that was wishy-washy Buffalo. I, 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 I mean, know. I know. Doesn't matter. I know what you're saying. I mean, I know what you're saying. I'm just like looking at it and I'm just, ugh. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Let me uh, let's go on to the running back position here real quick before we move mm. on to the Vikings. AJ Dillon, we've mentioned how I feel like as we progress through fan this fantasy season, we're starting to ev- everyone on the show. I feel like Aaron, you have. I feel like AJ, you have. I know I have. Starting to get more and more liking AJ Dillon, AJ Dillon's value, and AJ Dillon, the player heading into the the twenty twenty two season. Is AJ Dillon an RB2 this season in fantasy football? Lay up someone slam dunk at home. Yes, easy answer is yes. Um, they're gonna rely heavily on both those backs. And with the amount of touches that they're both going to see, Aaron Jones more so in the passing game, likely. Uh, he's gonna score a ton of touchdowns. Green Bay is still a very, very good football team. They're gonna win a lot of games still, uh, despite missing. Devontae Adams, I know that's a huge name, but it's just a receiver. I shouldn't say it's just a It's an outside weapon that a team like Green Bay can withstand losing. They're still going to win. So, uh, yeah, I think A.J. Dillon is a slam dunk RB2. I have him probably in the middle of that RB2 pack uh, with the potential of being a high-end RB2 if, for whatever reason, Aaron Jones does lose more carries than I think, uh, and he strictly becomes that kind of out-of-the-backfield passing threat. A.J. Dillon is going to be a factor, and I'm not opposed. Right now, you look at those backs. We talk about it all the time. Zeke and Tony Pollard, uh, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. If I'm picking one backfield that I said I had to have two backs in, and I I don't like doing it, but if I had to have both of them, I would take Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon as the guys that I'm taking both of them in and and playing them every week. That's how I feel. I agree. I think with that situation where you have in, in Green Bay, that's the best. That's the best situation to where you're going to have both running backs be as productive. And we've talked about it. And AJ, you even joked around about this before when we were talking about ranking the wide receivers. Joked around about saying, <laughs> "Can we rank AJ Dill- or uh, uh, Aaron, Aaron Jones, Jones. <laughs> as the number one wide receiver?" And we've talked about it on the show plenty of times. And we actually think that's what's going to end up happening in Green Bay in turn making A.J. Dillon a very valuable asset in the rushing attack at the goal line for this Green Bay Packers team who is going to be scoring points. A.J. Dillon is he's and it's he's being drafted right now not 
as an RB1 or not as an RB2. He's just outside. His ADP has him as the RB26 behind guys like Clyde, who we talked about yesterday, who I'm pretty sure all of us have AJ Dillon over. He's he's getting drafted behind Brees Hall, Travis Etienne, Elijah Mitchell, J.K. Dobbins. I think you'd I think you'd have an argument for AJ Dillon against most of those guys, I'd say. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I'd take him yeah. over all of those guys, to be honest. That maybe Elijah Elijah Mitchell. Okay. Yeah. No. Definitely yeah. over Clyde Brees. And, and then there's and then there's Antonio Gibson. That I'm, might be that I'm, might be that might I'm be. Not taking him though. over Gibson. Yeah. I would take him over J.K. Dobbins, though. Yeah. So that's right around that, that's there. right around that twenty that RB twenty range for AJ Dillon, and that's what we're talking about with a with a ceiling with a ceiling of possibly being a high end RB two, like you said, Aaron. Um, so he might be he might be your steal one of the steals of the draft drafting AJ Dillon. Let's move on to the Minnesota Vikings in twenty twenty two. Their fantasy outlook, uh, Aaron. I'll, we'll start with you here, Dalvin Cook. There, the more I did research on how I wanted to present this show tonight about the Minnesota Vikings fantasy outlook, I started seeing a lot more about Dalvin Cook and people being concerned about this Minnesota Vikings offense moving towards a pass first style of offense and that hurting Dalvin Cook's value. Last season, we saw him regress from the prior season, he was RB2 in 2020. He finishes the RB 16 in 2021 with the Minnesota Vikings passing even more last year and potentially passing even more this year. So let's, 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 let's figure this one out here. Does the Minnesota Vikings offense being more pass first hurt or help Dalvin cook? The loaded question. I don't think it does any bang, bang. I don't think it does any. I don't think Dalvin Cook's value is impacted whether they decide to throw the ball a little bit more, or run the ball a little bit more. Um, Dalvin Cook is a top fantasy guy because he's a guy who can carry a workload and can work in and out of the backfield. He's going to catch passes. What are you going to throw to uh, Alexander Madison over Dalvin Cook? No, he's going to be on the, the field three downs, and they're going to make sure they get the ball in his hands because he's one of the most dangerous weapons in the NFL. So he is going to touch the ball, whether that's in the air, whether that's on the ground, whether that's with a revert. I don't, I, I really don't give a hoot. <laughs> like at the end of the day, he's going to be upwards of around 300 touches and he's going to produce. Last year, the reason his numbers dropped off wasn't, had, didn't have anything to do with passing the ball more or, or running the ball more because he had the same amount of carries he did two years ago when he was the number six running. Um, it, it was about his touchdowns regressed. He didn't score as much. Um, on the ground, which, which hurt him big time because the years prior, he had 16 and 13 touchdowns last year. He only had six. So you want to talk about regression. It, it's the regression of the scoring that really made him drop off significantly. And not to mention he missed three games last year, four games last year. Uh, the prior years, he had only missed two each of those past two seasons. So um, I, I don't worry about Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is a good running back. He's young still. He's 26. He'll be an RB1, and if in a bad year, a bad year, what would be considered a bad year because he drafted him as a first-round pick? Dalvin Cook was the RB, he missing four games, scoring six touchdowns. So it's hard to be like, oh, no, I'm worried about Dalvin Cook. I don't care who the offense is. That's their, that's their horse. 
they're going to give him. Yeah. And you might have some really good value with uh, like, obviously we're talking about first round picks and it's, it's a little much to say you're getting value out of a first round pick. Cause that's, I mean, you're paying a lot, but he's going at the back end of the first round right now. He's going in around the eighth, the eighth to 10th pick in, in fantasy leagues right now. I mean, that's, that could be a steal for a guy like Dalvin cook, who we're kind of used to seeing be a top five running a top five player being drafted um, in but fantasy like, leagues. And how is how, and I'm Derek Henry is going as RB, what three or four. Often, often injury as well. Way more work, like a huge volume workload, in an offense that's let's be honest, it's not very good. They are run heavy though. Uh, yeah, and I don't see how that value is equivalent to a Dalvin Cook who gets work out of the passing game with Derrick Henry. So, like the same concerns you would you would give me about Dalvin Cook, the injury, the uh, I don't know, maybe lack of usage or over usage in previous years. I would have those same concerns about a Derrick Henry who doesn't get any work out of the back. So I, I, I don't, I don't know that I, I consider, I'm concerned so much with where Dalvin Cook's offense is headed more so than just him being on the field. Himself. You're scared. You, you, you scaring me to what? be honest. I'm, I'm going to just say it right here. Why? It's not really like scaring me. Like, you have had so much, and I've been on board with this. I, I really am on board with this. I'm feeling it as well. The slander towards Derrick Henry of having the off year. And this it is all valid points. You have not presented anything that's not valid when bringing down Derrick Henry. But laugh at me all you want. I have I watched the Derrick Henry workout videos on, that they post on social media. I'm like, dude, this dude's going to be a freaking beast again like at it and and that's just what i see and i'm like dude like because you were talking about the injury and like the he's a big dude and all the pressure he's gonna have on his ankle and and all that and it's just derrick henry is a freak man do you remember when levy on bell came back in the league and he had those workout videos and everybody was like oh shit lbb is back look at him he looks in great shape look at him running up those hills (laughs) it's different when you got 11 guys trying to come tackle you. And this is yeah. not about Derrick Henry. I mean, he is, and I'm not saying he's not going to be good, but we're talking RB3, RB4 versus RB8 at Dalvin Cook. And I'm like, okay, give me the younger guy who's more versatile to catch out of the backfield in a better offense as the workhorse versus the guy that's all the attention, a huge volume over the past two years, coming off injury as well on a not-so-good offense and no passing down work. I'm probably leaning Dalvin Cook every time. Does that mean Derrick Henry is not going to be an RB1? No. But is he going to be RB number three? I don't think so. I'm sorry. Last year, the year before that, those were unreal years. Hard to duplicate. We've, we've seen this, Saquon Barkley. We've seen it, Ezekiel Elliott, for two years. We've seen years like this before where you have a couple of, oh, my God, years, and then you fall back to earth. And Derrick Henry rushes for 12, 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns. Great year. Nobody's knocking that. But are you getting RB3 or at RB, total RB number three out of that? Probably not if you're not getting any passing down. Derrick Henry about to rush for 1,700 yards and 16 touchdowns this season. As a team. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> the disrespect is real. Uh, let's make sure you put this in all the Titans pages. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're definitely going to be. We're going to talk more about Derrick Henry when we get to our Titans and our AFC South fantasy outlook. Uh, but AJ, one last question on the Vikings before we go to the Bears. Uh, Adam Thielen last year, I know we. Justin Jefferson's the hot name and it's obvious where Justin Jefferson is getting drafted. He should be, he is that damn good, but Adam Thielen has been there and he has been just the, like the, I don't know. It's almost say the backbone of this Minnesota Vikings team, the heart and soul of this Minnesota Vikings team. He's been very, he's been very consistent uh, in fantasy football, maybe not producing the best of numbers like the wide receiver one numbers, but he's always consistently around that wide receiver two range right now he's being drafted as the wide receiver 30 do you think he outperforms that adp value of wide receiver 30 this season i do um not by a bunch but i definitely think he can be ahead of a wide receiver 30 uh this is a guy who played very very well in that offense and has been very reliable in that offense even coming off a season ending ankle surgery last year he posted back-to-back seasons with double digit touchdowns uh, coming, and that was with the defensive-minded coach. Now you got Kevin O'Connell coming in uh, from the Rams and from Sean McVay, and a guy who likes to lean on some veterans to make sure this offense moves, at least in the beginning of the season. I think he's going to lean a little bit on Adam Thielen to make sure that Justin Jefferson can still operate on the other side because you can't just forget about him. You can mention he's a little bit uh, another year older and whatnot, but one of the best things that Adam Thielen does is operate around the red zone. And being a year older doesn't mean you have to be just as quick off the line in the, in the red zone, but you can still be as physical as he used to be to get that separation that you've seen him get in the red zone. So even if he's not the guy who's getting nine, eight, nine, ten catches a game, you know, if he's getting two touchdowns because he's just making red zone catches and things of that nature, uh, I, I mean, I feel pretty comfortable having an Adam Thielen as a wide receiver two or a wide receiver three. That sounds like something that, that I can get behind. So I, I think this season uh, he will surpass wide receiver 30 and you'll be happy with where you get him if you're drafting him around that area. So you'd be okay if Adam Thielen was your wide receiver too? Well, wide receiver three. I mean, I, I would be though. I mean, I, if he's a low end wide receiver two, I'm okay with that too. But but that also means at that point in time, one, I probably got pretty decent running backs. Yeah, and two, that's- wide receiver is so deep <laughs> it's just so deep I mean yeah. the amount of guys that I can stack up on if I'm stuck at Adam Thielen as my wide receiver too I mean I'm probably going to take a small run on wide receivers and some dart throws and guys that I believe in has a shot at a good season yeah yeah I don't think there's a shot in hell Adam Thielen is a wide receiver too uh, I don't think he's going to get enough yardage and volume to do that uh, you mentioned the touchdowns that's where his value is going to be it's going to continue to be there i think you'll see very similar numbers to what we've seen before it'll be 900 yards double digit touchdowns you know something along the lines of you know i i don't know i don't know how many catches he's had over the past couple of seasons but 60 70 catches uh i think that's where you're going to get adam thielen i'm looking at adam thielen more like a wide receiver three throw into your flex option uh, the wide receiver position is too deep uh, i need I need more upside from my my wide receiver two. I want my wide receiver two to have the ability to crack that wide receiver one on a good year. Not not my wide receiver two cracking the wide receiver two. Like I mean, because that's what we're hoping Adam Thielen gets into the top twenty four. We're not we're not expecting Adam Thielen to get into the top fifteen. And I think as a wide receiver two, I'm looking for a guy that has the potential to do that. And I don't know that Adam Thielen does this point in his career, but don't get me wrong. 
Adam Thielen's a solid fantasy option. Very, very solid think- fantasy value. And if you're getting him, um, I would imagine he's probably going eighth round, seventh, eighth round. He's um, going it, 72, so that's what, 12, 24. Oh. That's about like the, you know, you know, math. That's the end of the sixth round. So that, <laughs> yeah. that might be a little bit high for me. Um, but the seventh, eighth round, I, I'm okay. I'm okay taking him there because that means you probably got, if you did normal draft strategy, you probably got two backs, probably got two wide receivers. You got either a quarterback or a, a tight end. And now you're going yeah. for these, deeper position and I, i'm okay with that i i think too with adam Thielen is like he allows you to be a little bit more risky with some of your other picks because you know what adam Thielen isn't gonna unless he gets hurt he's not gonna ever really screw you over he's never i don't think i don't think you'll look at adam Thielen he'll and he'll goose you i don't think you'll get one of those type of games or those type of games from adam Thielen. um but you're just not like you said aaron you're just not going to get that high-end type of ceiling from an Adam Thielen, but you will get that consistency. And I think that wide receiver 30 spot, maybe I boost him up a little bit higher, high end wide receiver three. Maybe you're looking at wide receiver 27, 26 type of type of stuff from, from him, but he's not going to, he's not going to let you down as often as some of these other guys. So you can, when it comes to draft strategy, which is huge, you can draft Adam Thielen as your consistent guy and then take your, your shots on your riskier. Maybe you go for a Packers wide receiver or a Chiefs, a Chiefs wide receiver, and you want to take your shot, but you know you have your your safety net and Adam Thielen. Let me ask you, let me ask you, but you like you love main games. Let me ask you how you oh, would, how you would draft. <laughs> uh, I'm just thinking about guys that could be behind Adam Thielen that we've talked about. Are you I got taking the list Adam here Thielen? if you want me to look? Are you taking no, I, I think I got him. Are you taking Adam Thielen or Allen Robinson? Allen Robinson. Taking Adam Thielen or DeAndre Hopkins? Oh. Oh. Uh, probably taking, DeAndre Hopkins. He's going He's going much later. I'd rather that value than, than Thielen. Are you taking That's Adam close. Thielen or guys like, even upside guys like Rashad Bateman, Devontae Smith, Gabriel Davis? It would be, would it be a cop out to just say it depends on how the rest of my draft looks? No, because, because that's, I, that, I think that's your point. That's I think the that's the point yeah. is if you've taken two good receivers already, you're not going to take Adam Thielen there. You're going to go after the guy that Gabriel Davis, who might end up being a top 15 receiver or a Devontae Smith who might break into the top 20. But that's, you're going to take more risk there. If you don't get a receiver early, say you have the draft strategy of Gabe, you went running back heavy. Then you took a tight end. Then you took a quarterback. And then you took a receiver. And now you come back around with a heavy run on receivers. Adam Thielen sitting there. Or some of these guys that have huge upside. But you're like, I got a lot of risky plays. I need a solid here. Then you're going Adam Thielen. But I imagine that many of us that play fantasy football are going to be passing on an Adam Thielen because we are going after the guy that we feel are going to have breakout years or these bigger years, because we know what Adam Thielen's going to give. That's just what Sa- fantasy players do. Play, playing it safe is boring. But I'll tell you what, they're like, some of these guys, like if I'm looking up way ahead of the draft, and like I said, with like you're drafting a, a risk wide receiver, I mean, like a DK Metcalf, I'd take an Adam. I, I would I would take Adam Thielen at his value 
are at his ADP if I draft a guy like DK Metcalf because I don't know what it's going to be like with with Geno Smith or or, or Drew Log. Not to say it's going to be terrible. You know I'm what I'm saying? It's going to be terrible. You know what it's going to be. That is not like. where you have to feel like you have to apologize. You you are but, well within your right to say that. <laughs> that or like a Michael Pittman Jr. or like a DJ Moore or uh, Mike Williams. Like if those guys are on my team and I'm taking the I'm taking a, a leap of faith on those guys, I would like my Adam Thielen there yeah, to be. I think that's my rock. interesting. That's an interesting take because every guy you just mentioned, I don't think that's a leap of faith. Those guys have been good. Maybe Mike. But they've Williams also been bad. No, they haven't. Well, I mean, DJ Moore has been bad. Uh, DJ Moore Michael has been bad. In what DJ planet? Moore? On what planet? In what world has DJ Moore been bad? Overall, not bad. But in in a season, he ca- he tends to be fairly inconsistent. Last season, you can't tell me last season he was not inconsistent. Bro, he's finished no worse than wide receiver 23 the last Finished, yes, I get that. Fi- finished, that's, that's fine. You, Overall, you DJ sound Moore like is dealing not- with this inconsistent, oh, I never know what I'm going to get. Every single receiver that's outside the top guys, you can say that about. Everyone. 50, 50, 53, half of DJ Moore's games last year, had, he had less than eight points. Yeah. Only, let's see here, only... Two games did he have more than 13 points? He's not doing great, but he's also he can tend to do bad for you. Can I ask you what, what the definition of consistency is then? Because if you just said he only had two games over 13 points, but he finished yeah. the year as wide receiver, whatever it was, 18, 18 with no quarterback 50. play. Fifty-three percent of his games are technically considered poor. No, no. According you, to you, are defining what is a poor game. What I'm asking you is, how do you finish at wide receiver eighteen, which is clearly easily a wide receiver two, and only yeah. two of your games are considered great games over thirteen points? To me, that just says that speaks to the model. He's consistent. You know what he's going to give you every single week. I don't know if I know what. I don't know if I know what DJ Moore is going to give me every single week. Though. That makes no when, sense. When when more I mean, than when half know. of your when half of your games are bad games, it's, it's how I, I, it, Vinny. You don't make sense when you say something like that. When Adam Thielen finishes as wide receiver twenty eight, how does that? Equate? Well, I'm not saying I'm, I'd rather have Adam Thielen over DJ Moore, though. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm I think that's exactly what you said. <laughs> no, no, I no, no, that is not what I said at all. If no, I'm dr- if I'm drafting DJ Moore, if I'm drafting Mike Williams, mm. if I'm drafting DK Metcalf, I also would like to draft an Adam Thielen later on because I know he's going to said. be giving me a more consistent game. Just so just in case if DJ Moore is starting to shit the bed multiple weeks in a row, I can go and say, okay, I'm replacing DJ Moore with Adam Thielen. I am calling a hundred percent bullshit on everything you just said, including your numbers you gave for DJ Moore. The full started out the season, 14 points, 21 points, 20 points, 32 points. Where are you getting these numbers? Yeah, what were you looking at? Wait, what numbers are you making up? It, it's on fantasy. It's on fantasy pros. They have a quality starts list in 2022. Then you're looking at the wrong stuff because the fact of the matter is in PPR league, his first five weeks of the season, he 
shattered 13 points. So, but then he has, then he has your games of uh, three straight games of six points, seven points, nine points, nine what? points. You're looking, points. Standard, you're looking in standard, aren't you? You're looking at standard well, leagues, fool. He had nine points, 12 points. I'm looking at the rough cut league from last year. You are looking at, at something completely off, bro. I'm also you- looking at the rough cut from last year. Uh, 15.4 week one, 21.9 week two, 20.5 week three, 31.9 week four. Then he had a string of bad games when you go 8.8, 9.9, back up to 13.3. He had a string so, of some bad games. If your definition of a bad game is 8.8 points in a, in a back-to-back week and that's inconsistent to you, then you're not paying attention to every other wide receiver in the NFL. Like I said, I'm not saying I'm not drafting DJ Moore. And I'm not saying you're that I would draft risky. Adam Thielen over DJ. What? You're calling him risky. And I'm saying, how did you name those guys specifically calling them risky when every player that you could name between wide receiver 11, 12, all the way for the rest of all the wide receivers have those games? But we that, wouldn't call those inconsistent? Realistically, everyone from wide receiver 15 other than Brandon cooks who somehow does it every year where he's just Mr. Consistency, everybody from wide receiver 15 on, it is fair to say it, they are riskier picks. And that, that's what I'm trying to say is if you're going, if you take a guy who is, I, I think DJ Moore is a risky play. That's the, with the cor- know, it, it's such a misconception though, Vinny. you're doing that, but you bring up guys like Brandon cooks and it's wrong. Brandon cooks had three for 28, two for 15, Four for 26, five for 24, but we call him consistent. Yeah. You, you can't be inconsistent in calling these guys inconsistent. It has to be across the board. Brandon Cooks is just as inconsistent as DK Metcalf, who's just as inconsistent well, as DJ Moore, who's just well, as inconsistent as Michael Pittman. Well, uh, according to the uh, Fantasy Pros consistency <laughs> chart, uh, DJ Moore has nine inconsistent, nine poor starts 53% of the time. And Brandon Cooks is at forty four percent. So, what is considered a poor start on there? Eight less than eight points. All right, I I, 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 mean, I can't I can't do the, the. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you this link in our chat. I, I don't want it because just if you're you looking see, at that, you're probably losing fantasy leagues right now. I, pass well, I, I don't win often, so it's that's just how it works. <laughs> no, so, I don't mean uh, you specifically. <laughs> I just mean in general. I, I'll say you specifically. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fine. I mean, me, that, that's fine. That's fine. I don't I'm win just, often anyway, so. My point is just that all of those guys have inconsistent games throughout the season. At times, it becomes more glaring when a DJ Moore might do it for three or four straight games, and you get so frustrated yeah. with that. That's, yeah. that's how fantasy players react. But yeah. Brandon Cook's having five throughout the season, one here, one there, one there. Nobody pays attention. That's the difference. I mean, there, there was but see, a but point that's the big thing, though, because, we're... like, because uh, the thing that, yeah, you can talk about finishing wide receiver 18 and everything, but, like, fantasy football is a weekly game played over the course of a season. And having three bad weeks in a row can be detrimental to your entirety What's... of the season. Losing those weeks upset people more than the times that they were good when it was too late those are the things that people remember that's why you hear people say dalvin cook's injury prone because they remember the three weeks where it mattered the most if you said dj Moore in the playoffs, fantasy playoffs for the past years has produced no double digit games we might be able to have a conversation because that's when it quote unquote matters but 
Yeah. Just yeah. to say throughout the course of the year, week four, five, six, he shit the bed. Okay, well, week one through yeah. five, he won you five weeks in a row. So oh, I'm not going to – I can't weigh those more than I'm weighing this one. Right. The playoff was there, was there not – was there not a time last year where we did have conversations of whether or not you should be trying to trade DJ Moore away? Absolutely. Every player has a has a price and can can be traded for the right value. Somebody's going to pay you. But I'm not trading DJ Moore to get rid of him to say, I don't want him on my team. But if somebody's going to pay you top-end wide receiver two value for a player that could potentially be higher than that, then you take it. Or maybe a safer play and a wide receiver too, or something like that. Every every player has a value, as we've seen AJ trade for Jonathan, trade Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, whatever it is. Every <laughs> single player can be traded in fantasy football. It's about the value what? you get in return. Oh man, what a dumb trade! Oh goodness gracious, <laughs> what a dumb, <laughs> stupid trade. Well, it helped uh, baby, right. on the lead. Yeah, yeah, I know. Right. I, oh, God, I can't. <laughs> Everything I got back and it still didn't work out of my favor. Still really cool. yeah. There's a link in the chat. Like I'm gonna click. Well, I did just so you can see. Just tell me where I'm where I'm where I am wrong. I'm not that, saying like, so what you're stop. saying is wrong because fantasy pros put numbers out there. What I'm saying is the the reasoning behind how, saying like, hey, those are risky plays by saying, well, fifty percent of his games. If I if you said that same number, but those say it was the first six of the year. First seven weeks of the year, DJ Moore sucked. And then weeks eight through 16, he went off. Guess what we would be doing? I'd be sitting here arguing with you guys. He's not Rashad Penny. He didn't go off in the foot. Like that kind of stuff, right? Because you wouldn't have cared about the first six. Can you, wait, can you can you repeat that? So the first six weeks, he they sucked. sucked. And then they what? only got eight, eight, four, five, six, seven, yeah, four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then at the end of the what? season, it was 25, 32, 18, well, I mean, it would- 21. It won't you, matter. It, it won't matter if I if I'm not if I'm if I start zero and six because DJ Moore shit the you bed. Start, and then, no, 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 you're right. One wire you're right. That's though. my point. You didn't want to count weeks one through five, but that chart doesn't say what weeks those are. That chart doesn't say, oh, it was only weeks one through six where he sucked. It just says fair. percent of the time. That could have been weeks one through eight. It's just egg. That's fair. That's fair. We just Y'all remember spent, when we were talking about Adam Thielen. Yeah, I was about to say we just spent quite a while about talking. <laughs> no, that, that, that's the value really of a player where they're drafted. And yeah. I get what Vinny's saying. Yeah. He, the guys he feels more risky, he feels a little bit safer with Adam Thielen, which is completely fair, unless Adam Thielen's touchdowns regress significantly. And that's, then he and that's, shit and that's a possibility <laughs> as well. That is a possibility as well. And, I, and by no means was I trying to take shots at any of those wide receivers. DJ Moore and Pierce. Yeah, I mean, you kind of would. <laughs> you know what? You know what? You know what? F DJ Moore, okay? F Panthers. <laughs> DJ Moore. DJ Moore will finish as a wide receiver three this season. Book it. Just like Sam Darnold was supposed to finish as a top ten wide quarterback Bro, last year. Been a wide receiver two with the worst quarterback. I know. I know. I'm aware. <laughs> I am aware. All right. Let's go on to our final two teams. Let's go to the Bears here. Real quick, there's not much yeah, to Bears. talk about with the Chicago Bears in terms of fantasy, unless you're very excited to steal Velas Jones with your last pick in your fantasy draft in 75 rounds. And with the hundred and with the 756 pick in the draft, you take Velas Jones in your fantasy football league, <laughs> then it's okay. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Enough of that. Enough of that nonsense. Whew. Justin Fields. Round. Justin Fields last season 
at times was a, a QB one. His last four games where he finished the game, where he finished his last four games of the season that he played, where he finished from start to finish, he finished as a quarterback one, a top 10 quarterback in all those games. Can Justin Fields sneak in to the top 12 quarterbacks at the end of the season, Aaron? I'm, I'm kind of confused at what you said. Um, <laughs> you, you said he was a quarterback one last year? No, that's not what I said. That is not what I said at all. <laughs> His last four games of the season where he played from start to finish, he finished as a QB one in the top, oh. tw- in the top 10 of, of fantasy football. Okay. Some games he was at five. You, Some games you know he was what? at nine. Look, man, Some games I, he was I don't eight. like that you went to full sale university and you were pulling these, these uh, skewed stats out of your ass. Um, Cause it's absolutely asinine. You would even ask that question in that way. Um, the man played four games the last eight weeks of the year. Like, and one game he left, which we don't. But, but, but no, but, hurt, you, so but we talk about it all the time. You, we talk about it all the damn time about how Derek Carr is not going to be. You can't see Derek Carr being a top twelve quarterback, or you can't see him getting into the top ten because of his rushing ability, his lack of rushing ability. Yeah, Justin Fields has that rushing ability, yeah. no, no, and I'm we not, saw it last season where he did finish in the top ten of quarterbacks because of that rushing ability. So it's not that insane to ask that type of question. Yes, it's the way, it's the way you. It's the way you worded it first of all it, it is very insane that you would say that because you failed to mention in those four games that you're talking about two of those games he ran for like 45 yards and 35 yards the rushing ability didn't really do any as much as we expected um the second thing is is we shouldn't be talking about justin fields quarterback one in any conversation because we should be talking about justin fields is he fantasy relevant right now like, that's the question. It's not, is he a quarterback one? Is he fantasy relevant? Is Justin Fields even worth drafting? That's the real question. In a redraft league, are you drafting Justin Fields? I'll tell no. you this right now. Most people no. aren't. As a backup, no. maybe. Most people are streaming him. And that's the real question. Look, upside, dynasty, future, keeper, absolutely. Justin Fields has the potential to crack the top 10, to be a fantasy asset in the top 10. In 2022, with that roster, I ain't looking for Justin Fields to be on my team. And that's a damn <laughs> shame because the ability's there. And to your point, there will be games where he rushes for two touchdowns, throws for 200 yards, and throws for another one, and does put up those numbers. But guess what? I'm not going to be the person picks him <laughs> up and starts him the week he throws for 42 yards, is sacked 12 times, fumbles twice, and throws three picks. Not we're gonna. I can see it now, though. When I hop in the boat with AJ for a streaming quarter. Oh no, <laughs> that's streaming defense. When we talk yeah. about streaming yeah. quarterbacks of the week during our fantasy football shows, I can see Justin Fields coming up in conversation as one of those quarterbacks sure. that we try to stream, sure. and that's fair. That's fair to say. AJ, with the Bears' offense as a whole, you really look at two people that are actually going to be drafted. From this, maybe Cole Komet gets drafted too. I'm not, shouldn't shit on him. Uh, but the two main people, Darnell Mooney and David Montgomery, Darnell Mooney's being drafted right now as the wide receiver 25. David Montgomery is now being drafted as the running back 15. 
what is the overall comfort level in drafting those two guys at their ADP, knowing what this Chicago Bears offense has looked like in the past? Comfort is a tough word. You know, I feel like that's a very strong word, you know, the trust level there. But uh, the thing you can you can bank on is if you ended up drafting these guys is the workload. You know, David Montgomery is going to get run. But even with that being said, uh, let's see, he finished as the running back 19 last year. He had that great year the year before where he finished as a running back four. And then the year before that, I want to say he was the running back 24. So he, you get, you're getting RB2 session, but like there's people around him that I think I would rather. I think that Elijah Moore is going after, uh, I'm sorry, Elijah Mitchell is going after him. Uh, we talked about AJ Dillon, who I think I might take the upside of and expect him to have a great year. Uh, Darnell Mooney is going to get the targets. I'm, I'm excited about the possibility of Darnell Mooney. I mean, he had 140 targets last season. So you think that comes down a little bit, maybe if we're talking 115, 120, he can still be efficient with that. He's a real deep threat. He's a speedster. But if he's the only person you're worried about stopping, is he going to be able to be effective? So I don't know if the word comfort is there at run at pick 30 for David Montgomery. I might I might try to go with some more upside in other years where there's more options. You were a little bit more expecting of a better offense. I might have taken it this year. I might look for another guy. Uh, Darnell Mooney, because he's a wide receiver one and he's I mean, he's still going at what uh, our wide receiver three, technically the first wide receiver three at this point in time. He, I think he'd also have to fall to me. I just think there's other guys that I would rather take a stab on uh, than go with the consistency level of what we were hoping from what we saw last season and with David Montgomery the season before. So see, it's funny. And, we talk- and I mean, that's just personal, I guess. So, yeah, no, I'm, on, I'm honestly, I'm on board with that. And then I'm, then that's, that's something where it's like this, it's hard to draft those players that are on such bad offenses, but with David Montgomery, it's the workload that he's going to get. That's the thing that makes me a little bit more comfortable. If I had to choose between whether or not I'm more comfortable with Darnell Mooney or whether or not I'm more comfortable with David Montgomery and selecting them in the draft, I could only have one of them. I'd much rather take David Montgomery at his ADP than a Darnell Mooney, even though Darnell Mooney, like you said, is being drafted as a wide receiver three right now, high end, the highest of wide receiver threes right now. I still would rather David Montgomery because you know, you know, he's going to get the workload like that is, that is there that the targets for Darnell Mooney are going to be there. But if Justin Fields can't even get the ball off or can't even make the throw, it's not going to matter if he's targeting Darnell Mooney or not, because it's not going to get there or it's going to be picked off on the way there or whatever. David Montgomery is going to be carrying the rock for Chicago bad offensive line or not. You said last year he finished top 20 as a top 20 running back last year. I think that's, that's right around where you're go what you're going to get out of David Montgomery. Aaron, are you there or are you? I really want to answer this. Yes, he question. is. Yes, you're there. You're good. Okay. We can uh, hear you. Darnell Mooney, I whatever. I don't care about him. Uh, David Montgomery, give me all the Every share of David Montgomery I can get, give him to me. Uh, you mentioned volume. It's really about the volume. It was a stretch last year. I think like the last five or six weeks of the year, maybe even last seven weeks of the year, uh, nine targets, seven targets, six targets, six targets, seven targets, five targets, like just insane volume in the pass game, in the run game. Give me all the David Montgomery. He missed four games last year, still RB19. I think his yeah. floor is an RB2, mid RB2 
two like last year. Uh, Health wise, he's easily uh, take him as your RB two and feel very 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 good. Yeah, it's I I don't know. I just I think I'm just more worried this season than I've ever been for them. Like, cause you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. And I, I, I'm, I'm putting it this way. I'm deciding with all of that knowledge to, to take a stab somewhere else, just because I don't know that it'll work in my favor this season. And I've had David Montgomery on most of my teams for the last three years. And, and yes, it has worked well for me. There's some times where it's just like, you have to sit there on your draft board and make that choice. And I think where I'm sitting right now until I see something that gives me back that hope. You know, maybe this preseason, the offense looks way better and way more efficient than we ever thought it could be. And maybe then I'm like, all right, maybe I'll just, you know, maybe one share and we'll see what happens. And then I'll trade for him later. But I, I think I'm just, I'm just more worried this season than I was last year or the year before uh, on a David Montgomery. Like, even if he said running back 18, I'd probably be like, ah, yeah. I mean, I grab him right there. Like, and it's three spots, but I mean, that that yeah. could be the the two or three players that before that could be the difference in you know me making the playoffs or me missing the playoffs. Yeah, and the players going around Dave Montgomery. We we had it's funny. We we all I think if I remember correctly in our tears show we had David Montgomery ranked and uh, agreed on Dave Montgomery being an RB two. He's being drafted ahead of James Conner who we did have as an RB one uh, in, in on our tier show. So he's being drafted one, literally one spot ahead of James Connor. So that that's, that's one player that I think I'd rather have ah, Man, James Connor in that offense is, it, it can be good too. Um, it's tough. It's tough to, to gauge this bears fantasy outlook because of how bad this team could potentially be. Watch them be a surprise and Velas Jones finishes uh, as a wide receiver too. We're talking about him on, on a waiver wire show or something like that during the regular season. Let's finish it off here while Aaron is ice for, I, I, I think Aaron is still there. He's just on an audio only at this point because right. he's, he's frozen. So I yeah. can, hear, Oh yeah. Yeah. I can hear you guys. I just, my video is just not connecting well, but I don't want to touch anything. At least you can hear me. Yeah, right. that's fair. Yeah, it looks like you got a profile pickup. You know, that works. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Let's finish it off here with the Detroit Lions. And it's it, I started the show talking about tight ends, and now we're going to finish the show talking about tight ends. Is TJ Hawkinson worth it in the fifth round, Aaron? Come on. you. I'm tired of talking about tight ends. Go to somebody else with tight ends. TJ Hawkinson, no. No. I'm done with TJ Hawkinson that early. The fact of the matter is, is last year I was so excited about TJ Hawkins. Let me down. Um, it wasn't that he wasn't good enough or didn't have good moments, but he just wasn't – he didn't crack that top tight end tier like I thought he was going to. So I, I'm kind of souring on TJ Hawkinson. Um, I will come back to him if I can get him a good enough value, but I'm staying away that early. I'm not taking tight ends in the first five rounds unless Travis Kelsey, Kyle Pitts <laughs> – George Kittle, Mark Andrews. I, I think I I agree. And it's funny the face that he froze on. That's the face that you would freeze on with uh, talking about being disgusted <laughs> with taking T.J. Hawkinson uh, in the fifth round. AJ, are you on board with that? Yeah, I, I think he's in that on the other side of that gap. You know, you know when you have to stop on the tight ends and have to get other players and. I think TJ Hawkinson falls just on the other side. I mean, just for perspective, last year in our uh, 
our Sherm League, we were looking at TJ Hawkinson and we watched that man drop to like the 11th or 12th round. And we were like, and we, we can't took him. not anymore. And yeah. so, I mean, why would I jump to the fifth round after last season? Sure, he was on pace to do well, but he never got there. So, yeah, it, I'll, it, I'll definitely wait on that. The tight end position is legit that position where you could, you have that top, that, that, that tier drop after Darren Waller. It's like, okay, it's, it's Andrews, Kittle, Pitts, uh, Kelsey, and then that's it. Then you can wait, and it's okay taking one super late. Uh, for Hate Aaron's me for sake, this. Hate me for this. Real quick question then. Where do you put Tyler Higby on this upcoming season? Heard a lot of talk about him and, and moving forward with the, with the offense. I don't draft Tyler Higby. I would draft Irv Smith Jr. before I draft Tyler Higby. I think. And that's just me talking out of my ass because I don't know what I'm talking about right now. But <laughs> on, on the surface, without looking into just, anything, I think I would draft uh, Irv Smith before drafting a, a, a Tyler Higby. And I mean, I'd rather the Muth. I'd rather get, I'd rather I'd rather Jesus. I'd rather Albert O. I think that's oh. yeah, that, that, that Aaron loves said some Tyler Higby, though. No, 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 no. You better be no. <laughs> I don't What'd know you if you can see my face, but huh? you love you love huh? Tyler Higby. You love Tyler Higby. Favorite favorite tight end in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm just curious. I'm just curious. Okay, okay. Uh, let's for Aaron's sake, I'll end it with a wide receiver question, just because because Amara St. Brown obviously came out came finished really strong. Oh, look at Aaron; he looks beautiful now. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown finished the season very strong uh, in fantasy for the Lions with a Jared Goff being his quarterback. He's right now being drafted as the wide receiver 26, similar to what we were talking about with Darnell Mooney, who was being drafted as wide receiver 25. Amon Ross St. Brown's right behind him at wide receiver 26. Do you think he will be he will outperform that wider high end wide receiver three value that we see him at? AJ. I think he'll be right in there. Um, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to pick up where he left off to be able to fall off and fall into that era, in my perspective. Uh I I'm not excited that they added DJ Chark, don't get me wrong. Uh, but I do believe when Jamison Williams gets in there, he's gonna be dynamic. I don't think he's gonna immediately take over. Uh, but I do see his his game, his speed, the way he plays translating to the NFL and to this offense. And yes, Jared Goff is a not so great number one pick overall, but he is still a veteran quarterback. And Amon Ross St. Brown did do this with Jared Goff last season. So um, I, I think he's talented, but I mean, it depends on how this offense clicks and if they can keep doing that consistently through the season. But I think he still falls into that high end wide receiver three. Yeah. I think, I, I think I'm, I'm in on, on this area for Amon Ross St. Brown right. of like a high end or a low, a very low end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three value. Aaron, are you on board with that? No, I don't think there's a chance in hell. Amon Ross St. Brown cracks the wide receiver. With, with the additions that Detroit made the running game being, I think more impactful this year with DeAndre Swift being healthy, hopefully the whole, the whole year. Um, I think people forget that just, how good Amon Ross St. Brown, how much volume he got the last six weeks. Uh, this dude was seeing 12 targets a game. 
the last seven weeks, six, seven weeks of the year. Not going to happen. That, that is right. not sustainable throughout the entire year for me. Um, I do anticipate Jamison Williams at some point to come in and play a role. doesn't mean I think he's going to overtake Amon Ra as some guy, but um, I just think the ball gets spread out a little bit more this year. I don't think down the stretch, we saw something very weird. They were almost making a point to give Amon Ra the ball every play. Like it was like on offense, like, oh, let's throw a two-yard pass to Amon Ra and let him run. Like I think it was more to get him comfortable, get him confident to go forward and being a good player. I think he's going to be a good player. I don't think he has as much fantasy success um, as he did last year. I, I look at him as a wide receiver three, like flex yeah. off. He's probably going to play him every week just because of the, the upside that he has, but it's still Detroit. He scored five touchdowns in his last six games. Probably not sustainable in Detroit. I'm sorry. Uh, that's a huge factor. So there's probably some regression there. But if you balance it out over the course of the season, there were games earlier in the season he was getting seven, eight targets. That's the kind of games I expect from him more often. Six catches, 70 yards. Maybe he gets into the end zone every once in a while. So uh, wide receiver three flex for me. I think going at wide receiver 20, whatever he's going at, I think that's that's kind of high. I think that's a, 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 a mindset of, oh, shit. We saw this last year at the end of the season. He's going to be something special. I don't it also know. Might be, it also might be until Jameson Williams gets there, it's Quintez Cephas, Josh Reynolds, Khalif Raymond, what, and well, that's, well, that's a, that, that's the thing that, that kind of makes it different for me for, for Amon Ra this year is that he has a little bit more competition. Even if you're, we're not considering DJ Chark as the strongest of players, I do think he comes in and is a target for Jared Goff. I don't think that I think I think DJ Chark is good enough to take targets away from uh, from Monroe St. Brown. And like you said, last last season, Aaron, it seemed like it almost seemed like they were force feeding him the ball. They were just giving it to him no matter what. He doesn't have a just a Quintez Cephas or a, a Khalif Raymond as his wide receiver, too. He has some competent wide receivers next to him. And obviously, when Jamison Williams comes back, it's a different story. Um, but there's much I don't more think it's the wide receivers, though. I, I, there's a direct correlation when DeAndre Swift went out. When DeAndre Swift was in the game, the beginning part of the year, he was seeing 10 targets, 7 targets, 7 targets, 11 targets. He went out and got injured and was never quite healthy. The last six weeks of the year, when he went out, you see it. That's when Amon Ross St. Brown started getting the uptick in targets because he started taking those bubble screens, those out-of-the-backfield plays that they were throwing to DeAndre Swift early in the season. Those were now drawn up for an Amon Ross St. Brown. I think that's his direct competition because the outside guy is not where Amon Ross St. Brown was getting his work. It was inside. It was out-of-the-backfield, bubble screens. And I think with DeAndre Swift healthy, I think that's what's going to kind of cap his up or his upside. And then you mentioned uh, a competent receiver in DJ Shark. It's going to be harder for him to get the ball there. Then a Jamison Williams. DJ Hawkinson that's going to start the year healthy, hopefully stay healthy and, and take targets away from him. He'll be good. He's, I find it very hard to believe, maybe he proves me wrong, Not that he has stretches of the season where he's going seven games like he had the end of last year. That is those were insane wide receiver numbers. Like, you can look at the best wide receivers in football over the past 20 years. They weren't putting up numbers like that. Uh, it, it was just, it was insane. 
Adam Thielen or Monroe St. Brown? I would take Adam Thielen. I might take a monitor. <laughs> nah, I would. Yeah, man. Dual. For six first six weeks of the season, I mean, he could have himself a, a little study, a little study, uh, study stretch there, man. Like it, it's possible. Him and DeAndre Swift is that offense, and I mean, they are bringing back an entire healthy offensive line. I mean, Frank Ragnall being out last season was a pretty big deal. Like they that push from him is a little bit different. I mean, you're talking about uh. Panay being a year better in the NFL too. Like they've got, they've got a top five offense in the league, offensive line in the league. <laughs> I was like, whoa, yeah, no, 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 don't go that far. Yeah. They have a top five. They have arguably yeah. a top five offense in the league sure. when everyone is healthy. Um, yeah. But good, good chatter, good talk about the NFC North. We'll be back again tomorrow morning for our final show of the week. Fun and games Friday, hitting you hard, hitting you fast, hitting you fun. Okay. Oh. All right. That's it. That's it, guys. Oh, tomorrow's fun and games Friday, huh? Tomorrow is fun and mm-hmm. games Friday. And then next Wednesday will be uh, the AFC South. We'll get to talk about Derrick Henry. We'll get to talk about the Titans. We'll get to talk about the Jaguars, of course. Um, but you're not going to want to be anywhere else but the Sack City Podcast. Follow us on all of our social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at Sack City Pod. We'll be back again live tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, right here on YouTube for Good Morning Sack City. For your boy AJ Johnson, for my best friend Aaron Mukes, I am me. We will see you tomorrow. He's out. That's what we call a sack lunch. Mm, nom, 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 nom. Thanks for listening to the Sac City Podcast. You made it this far, so you must have liked that show. If you did, go ahead and think of two people you can share this episode with. We can never have too many people in the city. So don't forget to hit that follow button. Sac City. Population. One more.